Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes, completely eradicating, not just reducing, completely eradicating. I believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for Mondays, not Fridays and get to do their most meaningful work. The aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content, but instead shift the context under which you operate. This podcast is titled Choosing Leadership because that is what leadership is, a choice. In each episode, I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices, which are not always easy and comfortable, but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action as those were the moments when you chose leadership. At the end, I will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast. And with that, let's get started. Simon works at the intersection of technology and government relationships. He is improving relationships between the public and private sector. And he says that there is never a dull moment. In the interview, Simon spoke about the importance of respecting other people's opinions, even if those opinions are opposing our own. We spoke about continuously learning the art form of working with people and building relationships and how people are always wanting to do good, look good or feel good. Hi, Simon, and welcome to the Choosing Leadership podcast. Hi, Simon. Good to meet you. Wonderful. It's good to have you here. And uh, to begin with, for our listeners, can you share a little bit about yourself and uh, what do you do? Yes, yeah, certainly. I'm, uh, I, w- I would call a sort of a euphemistically a pseudo-technologist. I know a lot about te- technology, but I'm a very broad church of things. I've been looking after relationships between large corporations and government for close to 30 years now. Uh, most of those businesses have all been technology, information technology businesses, but with a sidestep um, just a few years ago into biotechnology and the vaccines, where I spent some time with GSK and their international vaccines business. Never a dull day when you're dealing with people and technology, Summit. Yeah, and I think never a dull day when you're dealing with people in government either. <laughs> Always very exciting. No two days are the same, especially at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So before before we go into that, right, I want to just uh, listen more to your backstory. So can you share one or two events or key key crucibles from your life that led you to where on this path, right? Yeah, sure. So so I must confess, when I embarked upon my career, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. What I took a great pleasure with is problem solving, knowing people, which is something that I've always had since I was a young boy, I suppose. I was, my parents always say I was easy to get on with and reasonably charming from time to time. So maybe that's my only endearing quality, Summit. But 
Um, when I sort of embarked upon education, I was convinced I was going to do something in the field of biology because it fascinated me. Clearly, at that time, it, it didn't seem to be um, too financially rewarding. And the dawn of the computing age, the personal computing age particularly, uh, was obvious that's where, you know, if you want to make a decent living and have good quality of life and be interesting and interested in things, that was the place to go. So I started out uh, working for one of the UK's largest um, well, the UK equivalent of IBM, it was called International Computers Limited, ICL. They were selling mainframe systems and mini systems to retail and to a whole variety of industries. So I joined that organization. And I suppose I got addicted to the bug of the technology and the pace of change, really. Uh, every, every every cycle, every six months, something was happening. And of course, Moore's Law, as it was, uh, you know, found many years ago, was coming into force. So really, that's how I started. Um, but I have a, I'm a serial learner. I love to learn things and read. Uh, you have a fantastic bookshelf behind you. I have a similar one and probably three times the size at home. Um, just packed full of all fact-based books. So my thirst for knowledge uh, is really what drives me. Uh, and so this industry, uh, technology, where I end up today working here at BT, has been absolutely fascinating. And uh, you know, as I said earlier, never a dull day, no two days the same. So what motivates me? Um, making a difference, um, making people you know, feel good about themselves, collaboration, um, try, trying to achieve a win-win, though it's not always possible, uh, but really just cutting uh, through the wheat uh, and, and the chaff to get to the wheat, if you see what I mean, to make sure that we all come away with good outcomes. Tell me about the other side of it, the relationship side, right? Because that's very different from technology, yeah, computers, sure. that's uh, very emotion-driven, not fact-driven. Uh, how does that fit in? It's a re That's a really great question. I mean, it, it, no two people are the same. People might dress similar and look similar, but actually their motivations, their backgrounds shape who they are, really. And I have a very simple ethos that people generally have three sort of main motivators. They either want to do good, look good, or feel good about what they're doing, whatever sector they may, they may be in. So I, I like the art form of working with people, and I call it an art form because actually it isn't a science. You've really got to read so many different signals. You've got to understand agendas. You've got to understand where they are in their career cycle, their own networks what's a win for them, what's going to make them look good, do good or feel good, or all three, a combination of all those three things, perhaps. So it's a game of psychology, uh, but it's a serious, it's not really a game that you would play loosely, it's a serious thing. So I take every interaction very seriously. I, you know, I think one should always do one's homework and make sure that you understand the people you're dealing with, whether that's governmental, whether that's political, whether that's industrial or otherwise, you really need to know your stakeholders. And I pride myself on really trying to as best I can, get to understand them as well as I can. Yeah. And what have been some of those key people or key moments which have shaped your focus towards relationships and all everything which goes with it? Well, I think some of the harder ones uh, give you the best lessons, actually. I mean, there's been some hugely enjoyable ones. Way back in my career, well, I mean, way back, uh, there was a lady who was uh, effectively in charge of the Disney Corporation in Europe. Uh, we had some fantastic conversations and negotiations. I learned a lot from the way she carried herself and the way she did. And in that sort of six months, sort of ongoing conversations when we were sort of working closely with that organization, um, I learned an incredible amount, really. And so there's been a lot of really positive experiences in terms of feeding me and who I am. But some of them more negative at the time, but positive over the longer term, have been dealing with. Um, funding like government officials who will want to have their cake and eat it. That's hopefully an expression that carries around the world, but they want everything they want and they want it now, right? And clearly 
from a commercial point of view, that's not always possible. And we need to make sure that somewhere in that conversation that, that goodness comes out. I remember distinctly a time where um, we were dealing with a very senior minister in the UK government who um, was very brutal and blunt about what he wanted out of my then position in the organization I was working for and was very clear in his expletive terms he used to me. I won't mention who it was, but nevertheless, that was a valuable lesson. We thought, okay, right. It isn't always, you know, um, chocolate and ice cream. It's a hard conversation sometimes. So those lessons like that have taught me a great deal of, and formed who I am today. Yeah. And what have, what are some of those key principles or lessons about human behavior that you still continue to practice or implement in every conversation? Yeah, I, I just, I think you need to respect everybody. In, in, I mean, respect is a probably a much overused word, actually, with, with a big R. You know, you can't respect everybody all the time. I think you'd exhaust yourself. But in your interactions, you need to respect the perspective, the background, the history of the person that you're working with or talking to or negotiating with. That, for me, is the core getting on in business you're really understanding mm. and respecting uh, and then on there you've got to you've got to be likable i mean you've got to you know genuinely show an interest you've got to be inquisitive in your nature and you've got to ask lots of questions that aren't deeply personal necessarily but are informative uh, and again somewhere that's an art form in itself to be able to you know be genuinely not to show interest but be genuinely interested and this comes back to my first to knowledge comment I made a moment ago about just learning and learning again. It's never a dull day when there's something to learn. You know, so yeah. you that applies to human beings as well. Yeah. And can you share a little bit more on what you said earlier, right? Respect for somebody's perspective. Why is that uh, important, especially if that is a perspective when you don't buy that yourself? That's not your point of view. Well, I think, you know, yeah, I respect them when you have to agree with it, right? In respect me, you have to understand, try and understand it from the position your, you know, co-negotiator is coming from, if you use a sort of a commercial term. Um, and you have to understand why that position has been arrived at through their lens. If your position is different, generally speaking, you're there for a reason. You're there sitting across the table from each other to conduct a, a business deal, a conversation, a negotiation. Uh, and you wouldn't be there if there wasn't a willingness on both parties to come to some common ground, in all honesty. So I think the respect part is developing an understanding uh, more than just showing human respect. It's, an, it's respect for the position somebody's taking. And it's something that I think you learn over time. It's not something mm. that you could learn from a textbook. Clearly, there's various management schools, lessons and so on that will teach you how to win friends and influence people. Of course there is. Uh, but actually... You, you learn from the school of hard knocks, in all honesty. Uh, so the respect part for me is a fundamental core of who I am, how I deal with people. Yeah, yeah. And I think what that does is uh, brings people together on a single side and uh, removes that uh, adversarial relationship. Yes, yes. yes. It absolutely yeah. does. Yeah, most definitely does. Yeah. And once you do that, right, how do you build up on that? How do you tackle some of those uh, difficult uh, points? Well, I think it's all about delivery. I mean, you know, I've been one of many people to sometimes overpromise and underdeliver, and that's not been a deliberate act. It's just by stint of not really understanding uh, the needs of the people you're trying to serve or the capabilities that you have at your disposal. So I think, honestly, it's about listening, it's about learning, it's about being honest and having a high degree of integrity uh, to and really understand the capabilities of what you're bringing to the table. So, uh, mm. honesty and authenticity. And then in delivery, if you're honest and you're authentic and 
if you come up against situations where it's just not possible to deliver any longer, whatever that delivery might be, you need to be honest about it and say, look, the world has changed. You know, I'm in conversations as many of my colleagues are at the moment in and around the government, the UK government, around thing called indexation. We have inflation running at 10%. A lot of our, um, and I speak collectively for a whole broad church of people, have done long-term agreements with government over time and realistically, based upon probably three or four or five percent inflationary increases per year, we're now looking at 10. Um, so, you know, that there comes a challenging conversation to have about the tenability of those contracts over the longer term. Does the government as a customer really want to hear that? Probably not. Do they need to hear that? They probably do. So that's a challenging conversation in, in itself and one that is not going to be resolved very quickly, if I'm honest, but it needs to be resolved in some way soon. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like I assume this uh, is challenging for you as well, right? Uh, no conversation is uh, is the same. Uh, so what is it that you do to keep your own sense of balance, to keep your own sense of grounding so that you deal with the other person's uh, uh, nervousness or uh, however they react to uncertainty, but at the same time keep your own like sense of uh, being in a way yeah. that is productive? So I, my family would say that I work too hard, right? I work on many different things. Uh, so I have many interests um, and spreading my attention around those interests, which are very diverse. Uh, so I'm also a trustee of a, the UK's national disability charity, Scope. Uh, and that is, is to me a great sense of purpose, um, as, as well as creating and building something from a business point of view. Um, giving, it sounds a little bit passe, but giving back to society is fundamentally important to who I am. So carving out time, quality time to make sure I can do that is very important. Equally, um, you know, making time for family. I mean, it mostly latest family time is critical. You know, it grounds you. I've got six grandchildren. I'm hugely fortunate to have six. People often say, often say I'm too young, but I'm not. <laughs> I, I trust me, I'm not. Um, and it's rewarding to see each one of those little people develop and talk and communicate. You know, you can take off the captains of industry badge and you can just be rounded in the moment. So between family, um, giving back and then music is my other passion. I love to, though I don't get enough time to, I do love to play my guitars, which I have a few. Um, am I good? Sort of average, I suppose, but it's a great escape for me just to lock myself away for a few hours mm -hmm. a week, maybe do that. Yeah. And how, can you el elaborate on how does all of this help? Because somebody might be listening. And thinking, Rick, what does this has to do with being effective in a conversation? I think it gives you a balance about pace, and I'll explain that. It's really, you don't have to rush things, okay? In my formative and younger career, uh, I would be keen to get on and do something, whatever that something was, you know, achieve something sooner rather than later. In my slightly older and like slightly wiser years, formed by experience of success and failure and family, then um, it's just about getting the right pace, not about picking up the pace. It's about making sure that the pace is right for me intellectually, uh, mm. right for me emotionally, physically. So, you know, all those things. So it's about entering the race at the right pace and not having expectations that you're going to deliver too soon because that would be unrealistic. And if you set the bar very high, very often, if it's always that high, you will always come underneath it. And that's a self-sufficient prophecy of being disappointed. So I would rather be realistic about bar setting, overachieve sometimes, and realize that sometimes you're just not going to get to the bar, but you need to set a bar. 
Thank you. I think there are multiple uh, uh, takeaways from that. One is like how doing something extra or something different from your job can help you be relaxed and give that grounding and give that balance. And you yeah. mentioned spending time with family. You mentioned how grateful you are, how thankful you are. So expressing gratitude. And then you also mentioned guitar. I think something creative. Uh, but then you also mentioned, right, sometimes slowing down or going at a pace that is sustainable uh, because a lot of people would uh, like uh, take a pressure situation as an opportunity to speed up or to do more or to work harder uh, and to ignore everything else. But what you're suggesting is some something totally different yeah. and how it actually works very well in you being more grounded, which actually helps you deliver on those conversations better. Yeah, I think there's a book called In Praise of Slow. It, it might be not exactly that title, but uh, which talks about exactly that issue, about making the most of the moment if you get it, because they are pressures. You know, not all of us have the opportunity or the luxury just to take a breath and ground where we are in that moment. It would be easy to fill up all the silences um, and all the spaces with doing more, more, more. I would count that it's probably not that productive to do that in all honesty, and it certainly isn't healthy to do that. It's healthy to take a breath. And maybe that sounds like some sort of, you know, Zen Buddhist thing, I don't know. But nevertheless, it's just something I've learned over time. It's important to do that. Yeah, thank you for adding that. And as you traverse or go in between these two worlds, right, of technology as well as government, is there something which uh, which people misunderstand about you from either of these worlds? Um, it's, that's a, an interesting question. Uh, do they misunderstand me? No, I think, you know, may, maybe a few years ago, maybe yes, right? Um, but less so now, because I'm reasonably well-known in my my industry, mm. both client side and supply side. So I chair the um, trade board, the technical um, tech industry trade body, Tech UK, the public sector board, which is the senior interface between government and business. So it's about 9,000 businesses, uh, small, medium and large. And honestly, some of, they know what they're going to get. Right? When they speak with me, there's absolutely no um, assumption that I'm either one thing or the other. They know what Simon's mm. going to bring to the table. It is, to sum it up, it really is about honesty and authenticity and challenge, but respectfully done. Uh, as I mentioned previously, we have some interesting challenges ahead of us financially because a set of businesses. Uh, and, you know, I've got to represent those, those challenges uh, as best as the best I possibly can. And this evening, I'm meeting a, a handful of senior executives from government to have that exact same conversation. And it won't be resolved straight away, but it needs to be resolved over time collaboratively. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think in all honesty, Nowadays, people will know what they get when they interact with me. Yeah. And have you done anything uh, proactively to create that uh, impression? Uh, because I talk to a lot of leaders who have very good intentions, uh, but they are often misunderstood or misperceived that either this person only cares about money or they want to sell me something. So what advice would you give to somebody who is dealing with, right, who has the right intentions, but the wider public, or it could be their employees as well, sees them in a particular way? I think you've really got to produce the evidence um, and point to it. To talk is cheap is the phrase, isn't it, uh, in reality. Uh, and anybody can say, I'm going to make this difference, and off they go and plough the furrow to do that. And you are right. I mean, as it, from a buying community, people would say, well, we're just trying to sell us something. And that's, I get that. I respect that point of view. Uh, I know in myself it's not as simple as that. You know, I'll give you a for instance. So, so just yesterday I had with me a very significant part of London uh, authority who are looking to do more for the disadvantaged children in their community. 
Yes, we have a relationship with them commercially. We, we are providing a suite of products and services. But the question really ended up on what more can we do? Over and above mm-hmm. that, what, where can we step in and really add value to make this advice is children from families that really don't have a lot. Uh, you know, it gives them access to this, give them a, give them a, ultimately gives them a sense of confidence and learning and opportunity. Uh, so for me, the proof of the pudding is, as they say uh, in the eating, um, evidence really matters and being authentic and then saying to people, look, here's my evidence trail or my vapor trail of evidence and things I've done. So judge me on that. Don't just judge me on what we're doing here right now. Yeah, yeah. I think what you're saying is uh, like delivering on what you say, right? Talk is cheap, yeah, but if yes. you actually promise right and then deliver on those yeah. promises, nothing build your reputation or your respect better than that. And the, uh, yeah, yeah, the other way holds uh, true as well, right? If you don't take your word seriously, uh, then nobody takes you seriously. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. Wonderful. So if I zoom out now into the future, right? Okay. Uh, what is it that is next for you? Right? What does a successful or purposeful future look like for you? Gosh, I often think about legacy, right? I'm very lucky to have uh, done a number of roles I can look back on with great pride, and I have made a mark um, in my career. I mean, some greater than others, and one I'm hugely proud of is working with the World Health Organization. Prior to coming back to England in 2017, I spent three and a little bit years in Belgium um, on sort of mass vaccination campaigns, for, largely for developing nations uh, in Thailand, in Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, and so on and so forth. And um, if I look at some of the things we achieved with, in partnership with the World Health Organization there about awareness of disease and what government officials could actually do to make their mm-hmm. populations healthier, that, that for me is you know, a, bit, a bit of legacy. One of the few things I'm immensely proud of, but hopefully, what I've done in partnership with other people has, has left a healthier and ultimately maybe wealthier and more prosperous country behind. Now, that sounds very grand, but I've done my little piece, I think. Uh, so that's my ethos, right? So I always look for the legacy. What can I do more of? Um, and I realize that in the constraints of um, an organization's corporation, there's only so much legacy you can do. So my career is absolutely about getting up and out, uh, doing more non-executive work, advising businesses on how to deal with complex situations. And, you know, there are plenty of smashing talented startup businesses with maybe a dozen people or less that need external expert advice to make them more successful. And I see my career over time, somebody doing exactly that, but offering advice and guidance and also mentoring as well. I'm mentoring, you know, just pro bono uh, to make sure the young, I'm hugely proud of looking after a number of graduates in this organization. And, uh, and I always treat them with respect and tell them all, I want more to be brilliant, right? And I lay out the path, how they can be brilliant, encourage them to do that on the way. So, you know, it's a combination of things, but it is, it's about legacy, right? And legacy doesn't mean some big bridge built somewhere or a hospital. It means actually what people think of you when you move on to something else or when you move on completely and you're six feet under the ground. Um, and I want my children to be, and their children to be hugely proud of what I've achieved. Uh, and aspire to do similar things. Yeah. And um, I think this is for everybody, right? What uh, you're talking about, a better world. This is not personal for you. This is for everybody. So if anybody who is listening, who wants to contribute in whichever way, right? Everybody cares about something. If they want to contribute, what would be your advice or suggestions 
of how can they can start making a difference given wherever they are right now? I think really quite simply, um, connect to as many people as you possibly can, right? Understand the world around you. Uh, look at your own skill set or your own passion set, really, uh, and follow that. Because, mm. you know, I, I think if you spend your time, as I am at the moment, in, in a locked bubble room, uh, you're only going to teach go far. But by making connections to people, by building quality uh, relationships, you build a greater world understanding and you can find your niche. And over time, you'll understand the value that you can bring to that. So I think connect and connect again. Never be afraid to extend the hand of friendship. Say hi to somebody. Ask them about themselves. Uh, people are generally willing to talk about them. Most people, anyway. Um, and there you build friendships and you build relationships. And the more relationships, the more connections you have, I think the better you are as a person to deliver your long-term promise. I think that's uh, so wonderful because you're touching at the foundation of something. And uh, normally people are eager to make progress or to talk about action first. And what you're saying is just be curious about somebody else, ask a few questions, yeah. get interested yeah. in them, and then that will lead to everything else becoming easier when it comes to time, when the time comes for that. Indeed. Yeah, it's exactly right. Well summed up, yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, give us a glimpse into a bit more into your personal life, right? Uh, you spoke about guitar, you spoke about your family. Is there something which most people whom you work with doesn't don't know about you? Well, yeah, some people, but not many people know I write a lot of poetry um, and I find it very therapeutic. I don't know, I must have done 200 poems. Some of them are brilliant in my own mind. Some of them are just a slightly average. <laughs> but nevertheless, they were all heartfelt and they were all with, with a purpose in mind when I wrote them. Um, some of them are commentaries on politics. Um, I've written one about four years ago, which I called All Change and No Change, which is about politics, literally, about things might change, but they don't change over time. So that was a slightly more tongue-in-cheek uh, version, but I've written some serious poetry, um, some slightly ephemeral stuff. I just enjoy the process. I enjoy I enjoy language immensely, um, and I enjoy playing with the words. And you know, it's just a it's a little buzz a buzz I get something that makes me happy. So I don't think many people know that about me. Um, I would love, and you know, I've entered a few competitions and come absolutely nowhere, right? But no, I'm not saying it's brilliant, but they mean something to me, and, and I think they're better than sort of rhymes you would find in um, birthday greetings cards or anniversary cards. At least I hope they are, certainly. And they're certainly longer than that anyway. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's uh, so personal as well as so meaningful uh, for you. you. Your eyes were like lit up when you were talking about uh, your poetry. And yes. uh, as you said, right, it's uh, therapeutic. It uh, adds to your dimension. And I think for anybody who is listening, if uh, there is something which speaks to your heart, they do not let that be uh, a function of how busy you are or how much responsibility you have. Uh, in fact, uh, there could be nothing better than your commitment as a leader than to actually follow your heart and maybe go into some of those directions which seem absurd or weird or unreasonable, like from a common business logic point of view. Thank you. Thank you, Simon, yeah, for sharing that. Yeah, no problem at all. There's other things, but that's really the fundamentally important rounded one for me. Yes. Thank you. So, and to end this, right, if anybody who is listening to this wants to reach out to you, find out more about your work, yeah. or maybe even read your poetry, what is the best way to, to do so? Yeah, just, just, I'm on LinkedIn, Simon R. R. Godfrey, um, you can find me. 
Um, but I'm, it's a great, it's a great medium, LinkedIn. I think it's fantastic. You know, it's slightly more focused than other mediums, other platforms rather. Um, and, uh, you know, I would ask if you want to reach out, just explain why. I mean, I, I genuinely get quite a few people trying to link into me as I think of something. Um, and yeah, I will ask people to just give me a sentence why you want to, don't just say, I want to be part of your network. I mean, that's okay. But generally speaking, just have a courtesy to say, look, I want to be part of your network because, or I want to talk with you because. Um, and for me, I do get lots of um, people wanting to sell me things or get me involved in things. That's great. That's you take everyone on their merit. But sometimes it's just good to build a connection because you know sometimes those connections pay dividends over time. It may not be next week or next month. It could be a year later. But actually having those connections in place is, is hugely important. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's, um, again, tying up to what you said earlier about relationships. And um, I think from my conversations with a lot of leaders, uh, sometimes if you let go of trying to control or trying to force a result, uh, there are serendipitous ways that the result can actually happen. And that's what uh, you're pointing towards. Yeah, absolutely. I am. Yeah, so serendipity rules as far as I'm concerned. Don't overthink it. That's the thing. Thank you. Thank you, Simon, for your thoughts. Uh, thank you for sharing uh, the art of uh, conversations, relationships, and everything uh, you shared and that uh, everything you get to do every day. I know that uh, has its uh, own set of challenges, but I'm glad that how you do that with a smile on your face as it is evident now. Uh, and uh, I wish you best. I hope you continue to make a big difference and leave a wonderful legacy forward. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Same here. Wonderful. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast. And I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction. Not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you to help you see your own light to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.